Chapter Twenty Nine of A Red Wall Flower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. A Red Wall Flower by Susan Warner. Chapter Twenty Nine. Hay and Oats. But it is in the nature of this particular subject that the discussion of it is apt to occur. Esther kept silence for some time, possessing herself in patience as well as she could. Nothing more was said about Christopher by anybody, and things went their old train, minus peaches, to be sure, and also minus pears and plums and nuts and apples, articles which Esther at least missed, whether her father did or not. Then fish began to be missing. "'I thought, Miss Esther, dear,' said Mrs. Barker, when this failure in the menu was mentioned to her, I thought maybe the colonel wouldn't mind if he had a good soup, and the fish ain't so nourishing, they say, as the meat of the land creatures. Is it because they drink so much water, Miss Hester? But I think Papa does not like to go without his fish. Then he must have it, Mum, to be sure. But I'm sure I don't know just rightly how to procure it. It must be done, however. The housekeeper's face looked doubtful, notwithstanding her words of assurance and a vague fear seized her young mistress. "'Do not get anything you have not money to pay for, at any rate,' she said impressively. "'Well, Mum, and there it is,' cried the housekeeper. "'There is things as cannot be dispensed with, in no gentleman's house. I thought maybe fish need me counted among them things, but now it seems it must. I may as well confess, Miss Esther. That last barrel of flour ain't been paid for yet.' "'Not paid for?' cried Esther in horror. "'How came that?' "'Well, Mum, just that I hadn't the money, and bread must be had. "'Not if it cannot be paid for. "'I would rather starve if it comes to that. "'You might have got a lesser quantity.' "'No, Mum,' replied the housekeeper. "'You have to have the whole barrel in the end, "'and if you get it by bits, you pay every time for the privilege. "'No, Mum, that ain't no economy. "'It's one of the things that kills poor people.' They has to pay for having every quart of onions measured out to em. I'm afeard Christopher hain't had no money for his hay and his oats that he's got latterly. Hay and oats, cried Esther. Would he get them without orders and means? I suppose he thinks he has his orders from nature. The horse can't be let to go without his victuals, mum, and means Christopher hadn't. More'n a quarter enough. What was he to do? Esther stood silent and pale, making no demonstration but the more profoundly moved and dismayed. And what's harder on my stomach than all the rest, the housekeeper went on, is that woman sitting us milk. That woman? Mrs. Blumenfeld? Which it was her name, Mum. Was? You do not mean... Is Christopher really married? He says that, Mum, and I suppose he knows. He's back and forth and don't live nowheres, as I tells him. And the milk comes plentiful, and to be sure the colonel likes his glass of a morning, and curds, and blancmange, and the like, I see he's no objection to, but thinks I to myself, if he knowed, it wouldn't go down quite so easy. If he knew what? Don't you pay for it? I'd pay that, Miss Esther, if I paid nothing else, but Christopher's beyond my management and won't hear of no money, nor his wife neither, he says. It's uncommon impudence, Mum. That's what I think it is. Set her up to give us milk and onions and celery, and she would send apples too, 
only I durstn't put him on the table, being forbidden, and so I tells Christopher. Esther was penetrated through and through with several feelings while the housekeeper spoke, touched with the kindness manifested, but terribly humbled that it should be needed, and that it should be accepted. This must not go on, but, in the meantime, there was another thing that needed mending. "'Have you been to see your new sister, Barker?' "'Me? That yellow-haired woman?' "'No, Mum, and have no desire. "'It would be right to go, and to be very kind to her. "'She's that independent, Mum. She don't want no kindness. "'She's got her man, and I wish her joy.' "'I am sure you may,' said Esther, half-laughing. "'Christopher will certainly make her a good husband. "'Hasn't he been a good brother?' "'Miss Esther,' said the housekeeper solemnly, "'the things is different.' It's my belief there ain't half a dozen men on the face of the earth that is fit to have wives, and one of the half dozen I never see yet. Christopher's a good brother, Mum, as you say, as good as you'll find, maybe. I've not against him as such. But then, I ain't his wife, and that makes all the differ. There's no telling what men don't expect of their wives, when once they've got em. Expectations ought to be mutual, I should think, said Esther, amused. "'but it would be the right thing for you to go and see Mrs. Bounder at any rate, "'and to be very good to her. "'And you know, Barker, you always like to do what is right.' "'There was a sweet persuasiveness in the tone of the last words, "'which at least silenced Mrs. Barker, "'and Esther went away to think what she should say to her father. "'The time had come to speak in earnest, "'and she must not let herself be silenced. "'Getting into debt on one hand and receiving charity on the other?' Esther's pulses made a bound whenever she thought of it. She must not put it so to Colonel Gainsborough. How should she put it? She knelt down and prayed for wisdom, and then she went to the parlor. It was one Saturday afternoon in the winter, school business in full course, and Esther's head and hands very much taken up with her studies. The question of ways and means had been crowded out of her very memory for weeks past. It came with so much the sharper incisiveness now. She went in where her father was reading, poked the fire, brushed up the hearth, finally faced the business in hand. "'Papa, are you particularly busy? Might I interrupt you?' "'You have interrupted me,' said the colonel, letting his hand with the book sink to his side and turning his face towards the speaker. But he said it with a smile and looked with pleased attention for what was coming. His fair, graceful, dignified daughter was a constant source of pride and satisfaction to him though he gave little account of the fact to himself, and made scarce any demonstration of it to her. He saw that she was fair beyond most women, and that she had that refined grace of carriage and manner which he valued as belonging to the highest breeding. There was never anything careless about Esther's appearance, or hasty about her movements, or anything that was not sweet as balm in her words and looks. As she stood there now before him, serious and purposeful, her head, which was set well back on her shoulders, carried so daintily, and the beautiful eyes intent with grave meaning amid their softness, Colonel Gainsborough's heart swelled in his bosom for the delight he had in her. "'What is it?' he asked. "'What do you want to say to me? "'All goes well at school?' "'Oh, yes, Papa, as well as possible. "'It isn't that, but I am in a great puzzle about things at home.' "'Ah, what things?' Papa, we want more money, or we need to make less expenditure. I must consult you as to which and the how. 
the colonel's face darkened i see no necessity he answered but i do papa i see it so clearly that i am forced to disturb you i am very sorry but i must i am sure the time has come for us to take some decided measures we cannot go on as we are going now i should like to ask why not because papa because the outlay and the income do not meet it seems to me that is rather my affair said the colonel coolly yes papa said esther with a certain eagerness i like it to be your affair only tell me what i ought to do tell you what you ought to do about what how to pay as we go papa she answered in a lower tone it is very simple the colonel said with some impatience let your expenses be regulated by your means in other words do not get anything you have not the money for i should like to follow that rule papa but then follow it said the colonel going back to his book as if the subject were dismissed but papa there are some things one must have very well get those things that is precisely what i mean papa flower is one of them yes very well what then our last barrel of flour is not paid for not paid for why not barker could not papa barker should not have got it then i allow no debts but papa we must have bread you know that is one of the things that one cannot do without what should she do esther said gently she could go to the baker's i suppose and get a loaf for the time but papa the bread costs twice as much that way or one-third more if not twice as much i do not know the exact proportion but i know it is very greatly more expensive so the colonel was well enough acquainted with details of the commissary department to know it also he was for a moment silenced and papa bonaparte too must eat and his oats and hay are not paid for it went sharp to esther's heart to say the words for she knew how keenly they would go to her father's heart but she was standing in the breach and must fight her fight the colonel flew out in hot displeasure sometimes as we all know the readiest disguise of pain who dared to get hay and oats in my name and leave it unpaid for christopher had not the money papa and the horse must eat not without my order said the colonel i will send christopher about his own business he should have come to me there was a little pause here the whole discussion was exceedingly painful to esther yet it must be gone through and it must be brought to some practical conclusion while she hesitated the colonel began again did you not tell me that the fellow had some ridiculous foolery with the market woman over here i did not put it just so papa i think said esther smiling in spite of her pain yes he is married to her married cried the colonel married do you say has he had the impudence to do that why not sir why not christopher as well as another man because he is my servant and had no permission for me to get married while he was in my service he did not ask permission i suppose he dared not papa you know you are rather terrible when you are displeased but i think it is a good thing for us that he is married mrs blumenfeld is a good woman and christopher is disposed of whatever we do disposed of said the colonel yes i have done with him i want no more of him 
then papa said esther sinking down on her knees beside her father and affectionately laying one hand on his knee don't you see this makes things easy for us i have a proposition will you listen to it a proposition say on it is evident that we must take some step to bring our receipts and expenses into harmony your going without fruit and fish will not do it papa and i do not like that way of saving besides i had rather make one large change cut off one or two large things than a multitude of small ones it is easier and pleasanter now so long as we live in this house we are obliged to keep a horse and so long as we have a horse we must have christopher or some other man and so long as we keep a horse and a man we must make this large outlay that we cannot afford papa i propose we move into the city move where asked the colonel with a very unedified expression we could find a house in the city somewhere papa from which i could walk to miss fairbairn's that could not be difficult who is to find the house could not you papa bonaparte would take you all over the driving would not do you any harm i have no idea where to begin said the colonel rubbing his head in uneasy perplexity i will find out that papa i will speak to miss fairbairn she is a great woman of business she will tell me the colonel still rubbed his head thoughtfully esther kept her position in readiness for some new objection the next words however surprised her i have sometimes thought the colonel's fingers were all the while going through and through his hair the action indicating as such actions do the mental movement and condition i have sometimes thought lately that perhaps i was doing you wrong in keeping you here here papa in new york no in america in america why sir your family my family are all on the other side you would have friends if you were there you would have opportunities you would not be alone and in case i am called away you would be in good hands i do not know that i have the right to keep you here papa i like to be where you like to be do not think of that why did we come away from england in the first place the colonel was silent with a gloomy brow it was nothing better than a family quarrel he said about what do you mind telling me papa no child you ought to know it was a quarrel on the subject of religion how sir our family have been independents from all time but my father married a second wife belonging to the church of england she won him over to her way of thinking i was the only child of the first marriage and when i came home from india i found a houseful of younger brothers and sisters all belonging of course to the establishment and my father with them i was a kind of outlaw the advancement of the family was thought to depend very much on the stand i would take as after my father's death i would be the head of the family at least my stepmother made that a handle for her schemes and she drove them so successfully that at last my father declared he would disinherit me if i refused to join him in being a church of england man yes but papa that was very unjust so i thought but the injustice was done and you disinherited yes oh papa just because you followed your own conscience just because i held to the traditions of the family we had always been independents fought with cromwell and suffered under the stuarts i was not going to turn my back on a glorious record like that for any possible advantages of place and favor 
What advantages, Papa? I do not understand. You spoke of that before. Yes, said the Colonel a little bitterly. In that particular, my stepmother was right. You little know the social disabilities under which those lie in England who do not belong to the established church. For policy, nobody should be a dissenter. Dissenter? echoed Esther, the word awakening a long train of old associations, and for a moment her thoughts wandered back to them. Yes, the colonel went on, my father bade me follow him, but with more than equal right I called on him to follow a long line of ancestors, rather hundreds than one. Papa, in such a matter surely conscience is the only thing to follow, said Esther softly. You do not think a man ought to be either independent or Church of England, just because his fathers have set him the example? You do not think example and inheritance are anything, said the colonel? I think they are everything, for the right, most precious, but they cannot decide the right. That a man must do for himself, must he not? Republican doctrine, said the colonel bitterly. I suppose, after I have gone, you will become a Church of England woman, just to prove to yourself and others that you are not influenced by me. Papa, said Esther, half laughing, I do not think that is at all likely, and I am sure you do not. And so that was the reason you came away? I could not stay there, said the colonel, and see my young brother in my place, and his mother ruling where your mother should by right have ruled. They did not love me either. Why should they? And I felt more a stranger there than anywhere else. So I took the little property that came to me from my mother, to which my father in his will had made a small addition, and left England and home forever. There was a pause of some length. "'Who is left there now, of the family?' Esther asked. "'I have not heard.' "'Do they never write to you?' "'Never.' "'Nor you to them, Papa?' "'No. Since I came away, there has been no intercourse whatever between our families.' "'Oh, Papa!' "'I am inclined to regret it now, for your sake.' "'I am not thinking of that.' But, Papa, it must be sixteen or seventeen years now, isn't it? Something like so much. Oh, Papa, do write to them. Do write to them and make it up. Do not let the quarrel last any longer. Write to them and make it up, said the Colonel, rubbing his head again. In all his life, Esther had hardly ever seen him do it before. They have forgotten me long ago and I suppose they are all grown out of my remembrance, but it might be better for you if we went home. Never mind that, Papa. That is not what I am thinking of. Why, who could be better off than I am? But write and make it up, Papa. Do. It isn't good for families to live so in hostility. Do what you can to make it up. The colonel sat silent, rubbing the hair of his head in every possible direction, while Esther's fancy for a while busied itself with images of an unknown crowd of relations that seemed to flit before her. How strange it would be to have aunts and cousins, young and old family friends, such as other girls had, instead of being so entirely set apart by herself, as it were. It was fascinating, the mere idea. Not that Esther felt her loneliness now. She was busy and healthy and happy, yet this sudden vision made her realize that she was alone. How strange and how pleasant it would be to have a crowd of friends, of one's own blood and name. She mused a little while over this picture, 
and then came back to the practical present. Meanwhile, Papa, what do you think of my plan, about getting a house in the city, and giving up on a party and his oats? Don't you think it would be comfortable? The colonel considered the subject, now in a quieter mood, discussed it a little further, and finally agreed to drive into town and see what he could find in the way of a house. End of chapter 29 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.